Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. Let's open our Bibles to Colossians chapter number 3, the third chapter of Colossians. I thought we had a great Sunday morning, looking forward to what the Lord's going to have for us in His Word tonight. Let's begin reading at verse number 1 in Colossians chapter number 3. And God's Word says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Let's bow our heads and our hearts. Come to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank You we can be here. Help me do a good job handling your holy word do pray that all of us would be edified by the proclamation of your dear truth in the name of jesus we pray and ask the blessing amen and amen colossians chapter 3 verse number one look what it says if we are risen with christ now it's not a if like it's an iffy thing <laughs> are you saved so he's saying, look, if you've been risen with Christ, meaning, is that your position? Because if you've been saved, guess what? That is your position in Christ. Now let's get Galatians 2 and let's get Romans chapter 6. Galatians chapter 2 and Romans chapter number 6. Alright, we'll read Galatians first. Verse number 20, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The beginning of the verse says, I am crucified with Christ, but wait, I, I wasn't there that day on Calvary. <laughs> You weren't there at the cross on Calvary, were you? Let's figure out what this means. Physically, I wasn't there. Physically, you weren't there. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and let's start reading at verse number 1. All right, Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse 2 resounds with a perfect answer. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death, 
that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that our old man is crucified with him. Well, wait a minute. I wasn't hanging on a cross. I wasn't crucified with him. There were two malefactors on either side of him. Were you there physically? Was I there physically? We weren't. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him and the body, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, <coughs> reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise his holy word. So what is this? I wasn't at Calvary physically. You weren't at Calvary physically. I wasn't crucified. You weren't crucified. This is our spiritual position in Christ. <clears throat> You've placed your faith in the finished work of the cross? I have. If you have, in a spiritual sense, you died. What did we die to? The penalty of sin. When Jesus defeated sin on the cross, He wrought the victory. And He wrought the power over sin. And that's how we get victory over sin. That's why we sing victory in Jesus. That's why that song is so powerful. We have the victory through Him. Well, I lose fights all the time. You lose arguments all the time. Yeah, that's in the flesh. That's in the flesh. This isn't a fleshly thing. It's a spiritual thing. We've got the victory. We've got it. Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> look at number 1 and 2. <clears throat> if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. We talked about this this morning. We're expanding upon it tonight. And we're going to talk about more specifically what we should set our affections on. Let's get Colossians 3, verse number 10. We got the broad view this morning, right? Things above, heavenly things, not things down here, earthly things. Let's get a little bit more specific and let's narrow in the lens. Verse number 10, look what the Bible says. And have put on the new man, 
Well, what does that mean? New spiritually. Spiritually. Which is renewed, and here's what I would like us to get tonight, in knowledge after the image of Him that created Him. What are our affections on? Well, specifically, where is our, our knowledge? Is it after Him? Are we learning? Is our mind learning more about the Lord? This is what verse 10 is asking. Where, what is our knowledge after? We have to have our mind on earthly things because we have to take care of temporal matters here on earth. We were just talking about the lights. You know, some of them are out. And what wattage do you get? Do you want bright white? Do you want soft light? Do you want, they probably got nine different kinds of lights now, but do you want LED lights? These are temporal matters that have to be thought about but where's our affection? As we think about addressing these temporal matters, we should still have a spiritual perspective in mind. What are we doing? We're gaining knowledge to do it for the Lord. All right. So what is our knowledge after? We should be wanting to learn more about our Creator. Renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created Him. And... Let's look at verse number 5 through 9. Let's read it together. And then I want to ask you a question. Verse number 5 in Colossians 3, it says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, or inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him, that created him. Okay, so we asked what our knowledge is after. Here's the next question. How is what is our life after? This is about desiring in your heart of hearts to want to lead, live and lead a clean and a holy life. For God, not for man. In everything that we do. So when he says, well, what's inordinate? No rules, no limits, no boundaries. This inordinate affection, it's affection that has no boundaries, no limits, no rules. It's not a good way to live. It's not a good way to live as a Christian, and it's not even a good way to live as a lost person on a job or with your friends. Nobody really can appreciate that. 
But every lost person knows that a Christian shouldn't live like this. It's kind of funny how lost people know the Bible better than we do sometimes. <laughs> and isn't that a, 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 an oxymoron? It's like jumbo shrimp. <laughs> how can it be jumbo and shrimp? But we, this is why God wants us to be very, very careful how we live our life. Our affection, our emotions, our passions, our feelings, our impulses, if they have no rules, if they have no limits, we're sunk. You know, a lot of child rearing and child training is trying to get the children to be able to control themselves <laughs> before too long and they can't control themselves. I'm not talking about a screw gun when you're trying to show your son how to use the screw gun and you've told him a hundred times, hold the screw, do it this way, and then this way the, the screw it won't slip off and hit dad in the finger. <laughs> We're not talking about well we are we are talking about that, right? When they start to learn to control that screw and the screw gun, you're like, all right, they got it. They got it. Their affections and their emotions and their feelings are the same way. I'm not a... Uh, well, I don't know what I am with feelings. I, I understand that God gave us feelings. God gave us emotions. There's nothing wrong with that. People say, well, you shouldn't let your... You know, you, an emotionless Christian is not a biblically based, in that area of their life, that's not a biblically based position. It's okay for Christians to be emotional. Just because you see a Pentecostal do backflips and run up and down the aisle, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden we shut down every emotion that God would give us. He's given us emotions. Express those emotions. But He also wants us to bring our bodies in subjection. He also wants us to be able to get our emotions in line with the Holy Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us. You can have two people crying. One is crying for a flesh show. The other one is crying because the Holy Spirit of God has so touched their heart. That's why it's real, 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 real hard to start judging people based on what you see. Because even something right can be done with a wrong motive. And even something wrong can be done with a right motive. See why these things are so touchy? We just got to be careful. We got to be careful. We want to bring our emotions under the control of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to completely remove them from our life. But we don't want to go and fall in a ditch on this side where we're just an emotional train wreck because we're so fleshly controlled by it that we're just so far gone the other way. Right? Evil concupiscence, it's an evil desire of sexual or carnal lust. I'm just going to tell you kids straight up. On one sense, I feel a bit bad for you. Because I know how tough it is. 
And you don't know how tough it is. In the other sense, I see encouraged because it could be a strong future generation that, do, that can do a lot more for God than I did. Or I can. I got saved when I was 26. Later in life. I didn't start Bible school till I was 40. I'm 47, pastoring a church for a year. I don't have much time. <laughs> but you do. You know, I've known men that have started in the ministry at 20. Now they blew it the first five or six or seven years because they were too young. But the point is, it's an encouragement to see young people in church. But it's also, you're going to have it rough. So you're going to have to learn now to identify evil. you got to be able to identify it. You can identify it and recognize it. It's the first start, first step. This evil concupiscence. Okay, so verses 5-9, through nine, how about living a clean life? How about living a holy life? Colossians 3, verse number 12. Look what the Bible tells us to put on. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. All right, 12 through 17 just wipes me out. <laughs> I don't do these things every day. And when I read passages like this, you know, God gives us positives, commands. He says, do these things, right? This is 101 Christianity. We all know these things. Then He gives us negative commands. Don't do these things. Aren't we so good at identifying in people's lives, God said thou shalt not and you're not doing that. Well, what about all the things that God says thou shalt do that we don't do in our own lives and we never point that out? <laughs> I'm not saying it's one without the other. I'm just saying that's a pretty positive list. <laughs> And if we're honest, we all got some work to do. Pretty well, covers it all. Amen. Amen. What are we to put on? God wants us to put on all those things. We're not going to get into all this tonight, but um, forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. God, all those that repent, God offers forgiveness. We need to keep that in mind as we define forgiveness. Um, 
we're not universalists where we believe that God just forgives everybody when it's all done. No, those that come to Him with humble hearts and repent of what they've been trusting in, God offers them, a, uh, freely offers them a gift of eternal life. <clears throat> That'll be a time for a, another message. Uh, staying on point in Colossians, look at what it says. So we have, now that's what we're to put on. So look at that lens as a big, broad picture. A big, broad picture. Um, now I want you to bring that lens into family life. Verse number 18. Colossians 3.18 Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing in the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So 12 through 17, you know what we got? We got a big picture of here's what you got to put on. Now God is giving us a, he's narrowing in that lens and he's saying, okay, you got the big picture, apply all those things, but now I'm going to get specific in your family life. Wives, Submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Your own husbands. My wife isn't subject to anybody else's husband. Your wife isn't subject to anybody else's husband. Ladies aren't subject to anybody but their own husbands. So this idea that women need to come in church and be submissive to every... It's just people come up with these wacko doctrines. You're to submit to your own husband. <laughs> That's the Bible. Now look what it says though. As it is fit in the Lord. Because as soon as this verse is read, well, what if my husband this? And what if my husband that? And what if my... You see how tricky these things get? They just get tricky. What do I do if my husband don't work and he don't provide? And you're, you're in a pickle. It's not the ideal situation. It should be fitting unto the Lord. It really should be. We'll preach on the family and we'll dive into these specifics a little bit better, but I want to just give you an overview. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Apparently, it's hard for fellows to do, not be bitter. So God reminds us, don't be bitter against them. And then children, obey your parents in all things. What does it say, children? Obey your parents in some things, in most things, in the things you like, all things. But my dad isn't right all the time. No, either are you. How do you think Jesus felt? He was right all the time and his parents weren't right all the time. But you know what he did? He obeyed them. For this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. The Lord likes it when children obey their parents in all things, even when their parents are messing up a bit. It's well-pleasing to Him. I'm always amazed. I, 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 in martial arts, I, me and, and my training partners, some of my friends, we would always, we, we'd seem to play this game where we'd, we'd pick out the, the guys that are always sucking up to the teachers. It's like a teacher's pet. And if you were a school teacher, you're watching out for these students that, and it's like, 
no matter what the teacher says or no matter what the instructor says, they're always like, oh, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, you know, like just to warm up. And when I started getting in church, I realized the same thing. <laughs> There's people that are just whatever the preacher says, whatever the preacher, yeah, he should. Well, when I read this verse, obey your parents in all things. Are parents right all the time? No. Children are told to obey them, though, in all things. And then God says, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord, as if God didn't know that parents would make mistakes. As if God didn't know. Here's what impressed me. When I see people in church that don't agree with the preacher and they still stay in church, that's impressive to me. To me personally, that's impressive. My home church, not everybody agrees everything that my pastor preaches. But I watch people stay in church when they don't agree on that position, they don't agree on that position. This situation was handled and I think I would have handled it different. But their character rises to the top when they don't get bitter and leave. I'm not saying nobody should ever leave church. There certainly are situations where that is proper and necessary. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about petty stuff, if you will. Children, I want you to get that wrapped around your mind. You don't have to agree with everything. God just wants you to obey your parents. And then God's very, very pleased. So we have family life. We want a clean, holy family life. Now, we're going to look at a clean, holy social life. Verse 22. Servant. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. You have a boss. He tells you what to do at the job. You obey him. This is according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Yes, you're working for your boss, but you should be working for the Lord. You can do both. And God says again, in the social circles, your boss doesn't have all the answers. He doesn't make all the right calls. He doesn't have the best decisions in mind every single time. I mean, would you? If you're the owner of the company, you think you're going you're to trust yourself to do everything right 100% of the time? It's an, impo it's an impossible task, man. But here God says again, socially, just obey them. God's going to like that. Knowing that the Lord shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. He that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Try to live a life socially that's pleasing to God. Look at our prayer life in, in verse number 2, Colossians 4. What are we setting our affections on? Here it is. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Be a witness 
Uh, be a prayer, prayer warrior and uh, continue in prayer. Uh, verse number 3 through 6, we're going to look at how to be a good witness for the Lord. Verse 3, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Remember I told you I feel like I don't have much time? You got more time than I do. Redeem it. You have more time than I do. Redeem it. Make good, good use of it. Let your speech be always with grace. Well, I'm out. <laughs> Season with salt. I'm out. That ye may know how you ought to answer every man. Strike three. Go back to the dugout. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to live for the Lord, isn't it? <laughs> These things are easy to preach, amen. That's what God wants. You want to be a witness for the Lord? That's what He wants from us. The only chance we have of doing all of this is to go back to verse 1 and let's read it again. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. That is the only way we can do it. Get rid of earthly thinking, carnal thinking, sensual thinking. And we say, Lord, I can't do that. That's why I always got to go back to Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2. Lord, I can't do it. Can't do it. All right, Hebrews 7. Let's get that. And Romans 8. Hebrews 7 and Romans 8. Don't get down on yourself too quick. You look at all these things that God says to put on and you see yourself failing because you can't put them on. But look what Hebrews 7, familiar passage of Scripture, verse 25. Wherefore, He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, watch it, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. God's our, inter our intercessor. Romans 8, look, verse number 31. Romans 8, 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I love this. He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God. Here it is again. Who also maketh intercession for us. Yep, I see this is what we should put on, and I know I can't do it all. But I can't forget Romans 8 and Hebrews 7. He's going to intercede. Colossians 3, 
Let's get back there. First few weeks here, we spent a lot of time cleaning. And you got to get rid of trash. You got to get rid of things we don't need. We got to get things sorted and organized. And look what it says. For ye are dead, Colossians 3, 3. And your life is hid with Christ and God. Our life is hid with Christ and God. Our spiritual life. Maybe it's time we take some trash out. Maybe it's time we kick some things to the curb. It's hard to obey verses 1 and 2 if you and I are so tied up with earthly things and we're so tied up with temporal carnal things. It's hard to obey verses 1 and 2. Set your affections above. Because we've got too many distractions. Our mind can be so, so cluttered that we can't enjoy our spiritual walk. And that's a problem. Now Colossians 2, verse 8, look at the distractions. Verse 8, beware. Colossians 2, 8. Lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. There are some strange philosophies out there. What is vain deceit? It's just, it's empty, it's meaningless. That's vain. That's a distraction. What else is a distraction? Colossians 2, the end of verse 16. It says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat, or in drink, or in respect of an holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Now I'll go down to verse 21. Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. We're not in bondage under the law. We're not in bondage under rules, under commands. We can keep man-made laws and rules and commandments. But this doesn't confirm that you and I are spiritual giants. I'll say it this way. The commands that you and I keep don't make us a spiritual person. I'll say it this way. The commands you and I don't keep don't make us an unspiritual person. What's that mean? True spirituality comes from the grace that God has given us and us leaning on Him to guide our life. Are you allowing the Lord to guide your life and rule your life? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to rule and guide my life? Now we can live a spiritual life. 
It isn't about us trying to keep something or not keep something. It's about allowing the Lord to have full rule and reign of our life because He'll make it come out right. (laughs) We won't. And we're not under bondage of law-keeping. We want to obey God because we love Him and we're grateful for what He did for us. Now, Colossians 3, um, when we read through verse 5-8, through let me do it one time here. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication and cleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh from the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. You think you're going to legislate all that? Try to get everybody to obey all those things? We can only obey these things if we fully yield ourselves to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. And then we praise the Lord when He gives us the victory. (laughs) That's the only way. As soon as we try on our own flesh, we're sunk. Remember a few things. What are we going to remember? Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Look at this. For you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear then ye shall also appear with Him in glory. If you've ever cleaned your house in spring cleaning, or gentlemen, if we ever cleaned our garage, or you ever cleaned the attic, you ever come across something and it brings you back to something that you forgot until you looked at it again. You're like, oh, remember that? That happens to me a lot. Especially when you have your stuff in storage for a year. Our life is hid with Christ and God. We're just hidden in there like something would be hidden in an attic. Safe and secure. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I like that. Let's remember um, that Christ died for you and I. Colossians 3.3, I'll read it again. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. He died for us. We are hid in Him. Nevertheless, I live. Remember this, we are partakers, the Bible says, of the divine nature. We're eternally secure. We are hid in Christ Jesus. So why do Christians get all in a fuss about the enemy? We're hid with Christ and God. Don't worry about the enemy. We've wrought the victory. Remember this, I'll close. Your best life now isn't now. Verse number 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then you shall also appear with Him in glory. This world, this is as good as it gets. No, it's not. (laughs) We're going to be in glory. That's as good as it gets. That's our best life eternally now. Eternally. This whole idea, this is your best life now and all this, and it's not. This isn't as good as it gets. 
It's getting way, 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 way better, man. It's going to be out of this world. <laughs> so, with all the problems, with all the trials, with all the, with all the sufferings that we all have to battle, our flesh, this carnal battle that's going on, I'm going to tell you it's tough for everybody. It's going to be tough for you this week. It's going to be tough for you next week. It's going to be tough for me the week following. Then it's going to be tough for you the week after that. Then it's going to be easier for you and then tough for me and then easier for you and then tough. It's going to be up and down. We're going to be a mental wreck if we had to do this thing on our own. But this ain't as good as it gets because we're going to be with the Lord in glory. It's tough for everybody now. But I'm telling you, if we put on what God tells us to put on, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Last verse. We're going to look at what's going to happen to our flesh. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. And we'll finish out. <clears throat> Watch what's going to happen to our flesh. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 53. For this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Hallelujah. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Thanks be to God, verse 57. We're getting a glorified body. We're going to be out of here. This isn't as good as it gets. It's going to get so much better. In the meantime, God has given us what we should put our affections on now that we are living in this carnal body of flesh and in this carnal world. Set your affections above. Set them on heavenly things. He gives us a broad overview and He says here, family specifics, social work specifics. And He says, look, if you do that, it's going to be worth it on this life. But this life ain't as good as it gets because we're going to go be with the Lord. Praise His name. Alright, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Hope this study was edifying. I got a lot out of it. Thank You for the folks that were able to make it out tonight. We ask Your blessing as we be dismissed. In Jesus Christ's name, Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.